This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey everybody, Carm Capriato here, the Town Hall Academy, actually uh, week number 309. I just love to bring on people who have a passion to talk about our particular subject. And what we love to do is connect industry professionals willing to share their wisdom so we all rise to new levels. We're coming to you from the Remarkable Results Radio Podcast Studio. We're going to talk about strategies to communicate pay, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'd like you to meet my team here. Chris Lawson is with us from Technician Find. Hey, Chris. Hey, good to be here, Carm. Uh, I've got a lot of vibes on that episode that we did. And so I appreciate what, what we did together. We have a couple of shows coming out. And now with this one, Murdad Avar from Haven Auto Repair, Rancho Cucamonga, California. Hey, Murdad. Nice to see you, man. Hi, Carl. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. We're really happy you're here. He's a first timer. It's always great to have somebody brand new on the show. And Sean Gilfillan, Automotive Magic and uh, Lube and uh, all kinds of stuff. Uh, repair out there in Kenville, New Jersey. How many stores? We got uh, two stores, one in Lake Hopakong and one in Kenville. Thank you for saying Hopakong because I can't. <laughs> we got you back. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Hey, um, a timeout quickly for our great sponsors here on the show. Are you sick of switching to email to send a status update? Really? What century are we in? Stop wasting time by working in multiple applications when Shopware lets you do it right inside the repair order. Talk to my friends at Get shopware.com. And did you clean the fuel tank the last time you replaced a fuel pump? Contamination buildup in the tank not only impacts the vehicle's performance, but it can also damage the fuel pump. Clean the fuel tank in five minutes with Delphi Technologies Fuel Tank Cleaning Tool. Ask your supplier for it. Learn more at DelphiAftermarket.com. Okay, peoples, here's what we think we're going to cover. Here's what we think we're going to cover today. Your real-world pay for performance salaries can be touted at your top end. And I love the story Chris is going to tell about that. Can you show how to earn the pay they want? Can you show people how they can earn the pay they want? How to squelch your real-world salaries with your team? Wow, I didn't know that Charlie was making that much. Hmm, what's that mean about me? How to uh, bring the team together when they're... There's uh, an, er, any earnings discrepancy, which we just kind of mentioned. And comebacks, how do we handle comebacks? And tough conversations on poor performance. Chris, thanks for bringing me this topic, uh, good, bad, and the ugly. Let's start with the good. You know, when in doubt about what to list as pay in an ad, uh, look at your top compensated tech and use that as a benchmark. Are you kidding me? I think that's the simple way to do it. I get asked this question all the time. What should we charge? And, you know, it's if you're coming in at a certain position and you're advertising a wage that's way below what that position is uh, looking at. And I mean, let's face it, everybody can look on Indeed and they can see what's being offered in the marketplace. So you have to be competitive there. But uh, I have a lot of shop owners that will tell me, you know what, I don't know what to charge exactly. One of the things that I, I walk through is this process I walk through, and, and Sean and I have a great example of this, is um, if you've got a really uh, high-performing technician and they're making good money, just use that as the upper line of your benchmark. And then you're not telling a lie. You never want to tell a lie. And uh, it's something that really is attractive to other technicians that might be looking at it. And Sean can fill you in a little bit more about the story because it's, it's a really interesting story. It's kind of funny, too. Yeah, that's so uh, Chris put a, an ad together for us. We were looking for uh, a tech to add to our team. And I think uh, 
I think it was a close to $3,000 a week pay that we put out there. You know, I have a tech that produced uh, quite a few times over that 60 to 80 hour mark. And he gets up over to 80 hours. It's a $3,000 paycheck. And uh, I think they were talking in the, in the lunchroom. Like, I can't believe you're promoting for that kind of uh, pay. And my technician turned around. He's like, well, if you guys would hustle like I do, you'd make the same kind of money. <laughs> and uh, it just kind of like shook, shook the team a little bit at that point in time. But we saw actually a little bit more effort put into training and development where they were looking to uh, learn more about electrical and uh, going to school, getting some of the ASEs. And uh, obviously he's a master certified tech, so he's got a little bit higher level of a pay. But uh, those things that are there to make it possible for people to make that kind of money in this industry is totally available. And you got to have a good attitude. You got to know what you're doing and you got to fix it right the first time. But it was, uh, it was definitely pretty cool to, to have that out there. People were calling uh, our techs that were working at the shop saying, Is it, you guys make that kind of money over there? Some were no, obviously. And, uh, and then when they started talking to the guy in the back about us, like, yeah, I've made three grand here quite a few times in a week. Does your team, Sean, know that A techs are made? They're built from the bottom up. And I think that makes them want to grow a little bit more too. Instead of having it be stuck there like, I'll never be that good or I'll never get that much done. It's like, hold on. It makes it look easy. What's he doing different? You know, I always tended to follow uh, follow people that had what I wanted or that were where I wanted to be. They should be so proud of the work they put into getting to that particular level. And who refuses training when ATEX are made, when they're striving for knowledge all the time? They're striving to be in networking groups that keep them on the cutting edge. And we see... More, in fact, I don't want to get on my soapbox, but talking to some uh, local owners the other day says, so what's the commitment to training that you have? Uh, where are you sending your people? And they say, my guys won't go to training. I'm sorry. That hit me so hard. Two shop owners on here. Guys, uh, do you have commitment to training from your people? Do they have a bonus if they attend? How, how are you pulling this off, Dad? I think one of the biggest mistakes most of the shop owner. I'm 62 years old, been in this business long enough to so, so many of those mistakes I have done. When we, it comes to those kind of investment, we look at it as a liability. We don't look at it as an investment. We don't look at it as a, it's an asset for us. Hiring somebody with $120,000 income, most of us, we look at it, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of cost. It's a, too expensive. We cannot afford it. And that type of attitude makes us not succeed. I always look at the great assets would be for me if I go ahead and send that technician to the training and invest money on that training and because return on dividend would be much higher for me. And it's been proven fact over and over. That's my side of the story. I think it, it's crucial we look at those actions we take. That's a great investment. It's not a liability. It's not a cost. It's just a great investment. The attitude of how we look at those these things, it totally would be different. So much of training equates to the kind of monies that they're going to earn and the value they bring to your company. And so it goes, Chris, I mean, maybe to your point is that the whole training culture starts in the interview. Yeah, I think so. Murdad said something to me that was very, very wise. Uh, we were at a conference and this is even before we started working together. And he said, you know what, Chris, every day that I'm down a good tech, I lose uh, two grand. And so when you look at it from that perspective, it completely changes the whole dynamic of the process. And it also changes the dynamic of what you're willing to offer. And that's a really big mindset. I mean, you know, last time we talked, Carm, I talked about mindset. I'm just really big on mindset because once you get the mindset right, you can find the tools and the strategies that, that match up with it. 
Thank you for that. Sean, uh, do you, do any of your people say, listen, I'm paying for you to go to training. I'll fly you wherever it has to be. Do they ever say, I'm sorry, Sean, I'm not going? I don't think it's a, I don't want to. A lot of times it's either, uh, you know, family having to deal with kids, which you got to take into consideration, uh, but working it out and giving them enough advance. And I think the biggest thing about training people is that you're putting an investment into them. Like you said, for dad, you really want to invest in your assets. I consider every, every employee in our company is an asset. None of them are expenses. They all bring something to the table. Otherwise they wouldn't be there. I think the coolest thing with training though is why a shop owner said to me many years back, well, if you don't train them and they stay, you're worse off than if you yeah. train them and they leave. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So some people have that fear of spending all this money on training your employees and they end up going someplace else or starting their own shop. I've always been one to believe that everybody's on their own path in life and you just keep blowing wind into their sails. And when they take off, they take off. Thank you for that. Now, let's go back to the topic at hand here. Of course, strategies to communicate, pay the good, bad and the ugly. We have another good story, Chris, from Merdad. Why don't you start us off? I mean, first of all, he's very clear. I mean, this guy knows his numbers. I mean, he and Sean both really know their numbers backward and forwards, more than most shop owners that I talk with. And, uh, you know, he was pretty clear. But we had the conversation and the conversation is always Hey, what is the most that you can uh, have a conversation about? I mean, what's the most you can offer? And we have to look at the ranges. And I said, as long as you feel comfortable sitting down and having a conversation with a technician and saying, hey, look, we can show you how to get there. We can show you the combination of production efficiency. We can show you how to get to that number that you want to get to. But, uh, you know, when we were talking originally, we just said, hey, what's that number? And Murdad knew right away. He knew what the number was. And he even told me a story about how he had the conversation with his existing techs about bringing in another technician. Because if you're in a flat rate environment or a hybrid environment, bringing in another technician is going to take away some of the work. That's, that's the perception. It's going to take away some of the existing work. And now you know, it's like, wow, are we going to have enough uh, food on our table here? But uh, he really painted a picture and he did a brilliant job of painting the picture on how the entire pie was going to grow. And I'll let him, you know, take it from here. I appreciate that. Yeah, of course, when the hit country hit the recession, we went from four technicians to one and a half, basically. <laughs> and uh, as we were growing up, our main technician, they were arguing why we are hiring other people. And this was one of those things I had to sit down and just talk to them and show them, just trust me, let me just go ahead and hire a, a new technician because we are doing more marketing now car count is going up and you guys can have more work for yourself. When we got to five technicians with the 3,500 square feet building, this become extremely important argumentative from the employees that they didn't want me to hire somebody else. But I prove it to them this, look at ourselves, how far every year, what happened to your income when we add somebody else to the business? Did your income got better or got worse? If your income got better, why not let's have some, another person? And the, the reality was we want to hire a technician from German's vehicles, for the German's car, and we didn't have that technician. I said, this guy is so many cars we are getting. Now you can do the timing chain. You can do the R&R work by just having that person here, which we didn't have those opportunities before because we are getting more and more customers and building our reputation. This was the way we approached those technicians to convince them we, are, we, we cannot stop growing. As we are speaking right now, we have eight technicians. So <laughs> now it's commencing. What a nice big shop. And I think I heard the word transparency. I think people want to know what the strategy or the tactic is behind hiring somebody and that we're all 
every one of us are going to benefit from it. I agree with the uh, the transparency is probably one of the biggest drivers in our shop. Uh, it's every month and quarter we share the uh, the profit and loss and the financial statements with the staff. So everybody knows what they're bringing to the table. Uh, everybody gets a piece of the percentage that they bring into the shop, especially in the production department. And I think uh, when everybody has an understanding in how the machine works, there's a lot less uh, feeling of that I deserve more or I'm not getting enough or why he's making more. It's all right there above board. You can see what you're bringing in. You can see what you're taking out. And uh, it it really opens up the opportunity for growth. Good stuff. Any final words on this, Chris, this uh, whole good side of our our talk today? Those are the top things for good. Uh, You always want to put a a salary in there. I get some pushback a lot of times about, hey, can we just not include a salary? Well, that's not really a good strategy. And if you use platforms like Indeed, they make you use a, a, a salary. But you can really leverage it so that it really communicates what you need it to. And if you have the salary and it's right, then you're going to attract the right technicians. Hey, aren't you tired of being tired after a crazy day at the shop? Take the frustration out of your work by speeding up the processes that bog you down. Start a repair order based on a can job. Check. Order parts from a menu that includes every supplier within seconds. Check. Now send all that information with photos or videos to a customer via a live chat on their phone. What? No, I'm not kidding. Check that box. Get an approval faster than ever so you don't tie up a bay for hours. Check. Hey, it gets even better. Once they see the summary of work they need, next time they ask you to fix one or two more items today. Boom, that bill goes up and you make more. Then, get this, they pay you on their phone before they even pick up their car. This could be your life, my friend. Talk to my friends at GetShopware.com. As the trusted aftermarket brand for over 100 years, Delphi Technologies is by your side for every step of the repair process. The Delphi journey doesn't stop once the parts are ordered. Wherever your journey takes you, our quality parts gives you ease of mind when getting your customer's vehicle back on the road. Technicians know and trust Delphi as a quality brand. Each product undergoes rigorous testing to not only meet OE standards, but also enhance it in each opportunity. From 700 hours of spray testing on chassis components to fuel pumps tested for reliability up to 150,000 miles, And safety and reliability is paramount to help vehicles drive cleaner, better, and further throughout their lives. Delphi is also committed in developing products and services to prepare technicians for the future. Take advantage of how-to videos on YouTube, technician-led trainings, and our technical support line, and more. Turn to the aftermarket parts supplier with over 100 years of OEM trust and quality. Learn more about Delphi. Visit DelphiAftermarket.com. Let's come back here and uh, talk about the bad, the good, bad, and the ugly. We're going to talk about the bad example. Uh, Make sure your salaries and job titles match up and are in alignment with market rates. Chris? Yes, that's very important. You know what? None of these two wonderful shop owners had this problem that I worked with, but uh, I have been in a situation where I was asked to run an ad for a position and the salary didn't really match up with what the ad was. And that creates all kinds of havoc. If you're looking for someone, I mean, first of all, you need to be really clear on what you're looking for. If you're looking for somebody who's a master tech, of course, there's going to be a different salary range than someone who's a lube tech. And if you get uh, confusing with the titles, 
what ends up happening is the algorithms with Indeed and algorithms with some of the other job sites, they will start showing your ad to people who are master techs when you're looking for lube techs. And if you're advertising 15 bucks an hour and your ads are being shown to, you know, AB techs, you're not going to get any responses. And that's one of the things that happens very quickly. And this is a situation that, that I was in. Once I figured it out, we were able to adjust that salary and then start getting the applications flowing again. Would it hurt your reputation? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it would. I mean, if, and I mean, you should have seen the feedback. You know, we run a lot of ads on social media and people aren't afraid to pipe up and give you their opinion on social <laughs> no, media. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, I mean, we had people saying, what? You're paying that? Are you kidding me? And, uh, you know, as soon as we added in lube tech, then, you know, all of that nonsense stopped. But when people started thinking, oh, well, you know, they're looking for a technician and they're only going to pay 15 bucks an hour, they just hit the roof. I think we could all be guilty for doing an ad. We're so close to the problem, right? Here it is right in front of us. And we don't just put the, and we just don't open ourselves up and read it a couple of times, send it to a friend, you know, call a friend say, Hey, listen, I wrote this. Do you think it's the right thing? And that's why you're there, Chris, right? Yes, we do lots of testing. Uh, the other thing is we look at this every day and we knew right away. I mean, we have metrics we follow, like, you know, just like uh, everybody that's running a shop has metrics they follow. And we could tell right away what happened. You know, it's there's different choke points. There's, you know, how many views does an ad get? Uh, how many clicks does an ad get? How many applications does the ad generate? And if there is a, a backup in any one of those points in the process, we know right where to go in and in take our wrenches, so to speak, and start, you know, turning some screws so that we can make the uh, campaigns work better. Uh, Chris, one thing I want to mention, your ad does phenomenal job. It attracted great, great technician. But that's, I would say, one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is what he says about my shop. That technician not going to just walk in just because Chris put a nice ad and get the job. He's going to do his research. He's going to go and ask here and there. He's going to look at them on your Google, I mean, your social media. It's a funny story happened my shop. There's a parts suppliers manager. I know him for last 20 years. Year and a half ago, he says, I want to send my brother to work for you. He's a master tech. I just could not understand. I said, Johnny, I know you for 20 years. You know I'm <laughs> begging for a technician. How come you never told me your brother is a master tech? He just politely and nicely just let, let me know that I was not worthy of it. So now he see my business is worthy of his brother come and work for me. Actually, Chris's ad, when I got two technicians, other two technicians I added to the business was just by those other technicians, other people. It is important uh, what you mentioned. If your, your ad says all those details, what about, about your shop? Then the, that technician walks your shop. Can they see that? Can they sense that? Can they come in and interview my shop foreman actually interview them with me, sit down and talk to them and say, here's what I'm making here. A crystal clear road to get that money if you want to get it, if you want to make it. But that's one of the key factors that became for me. I, I don't want to brag about those things. When people say I have a technician problem, I can tomorrow ask for a technician, I would have two more, three more. Because how we set the business and the people would love to work with places like this. Guys, I, I'm telling you, Murdad, I was... I'm just hit hard by what you said. You're not worthy. I mean, come on, Sean. Can you imagine someone saying, uh, eh, I didn't tell him to come here because you're not worthy of him? How would that make you feel? I'd probably be 
blown away. Like, wow, well, first of all, why didn't you ever say anything about it? <laughs> right? Or what do I have to do to be worthy? What am I not saying to you? Where's my personal persona? What don't you know about me and my company? Social media or social opinion, right? It's a, it's an experience to know what other people think and, uh, and have in their minds about an organization just in its own. And you never know what somebody thinks or why they think it. Well, I have to say of fixing yourself. I don't want to say the person was wrong. I was doing so many wrong things. Another quick story, I, I was when I was desperate for technician, this goes back 20 years ago, I was going to the, I don't know, I can name those, uh, those truck, they sell tool, tool trucks. Mm-hmm. The drivers asking them, hey, do you need a technician? I give you a thousand bucks. I give you 500 bucks. I mean, please find me a technician. There's an old man, he's 84 years old, one of those tool uh, seller. He right in my face says, if you're that good, you're saying all those good things about yourself. How come you guys, you don't have a mechanic? What happened? They left you, they quit. This was for me, wake up call. Let's point the finger at yourself. Let's look at the mirror and say, hey, what is wrong with me? These people don't want to work for me. Let me fix it from here. Let's start from here and then we go outside instead of just going and blaming other things. So the problem always, in my personal opinion, every shop I, I want to help him. Uh, I see number one reason is just the owner itself. The owner itself is a name, a cause of the problem. As a matter of fact, we are just about purchasing another shop. This gentleman, I'm buying his property. He's giving his business to me for free because he's not worthy of purchasing. I mean, it's not sellable business. Why? Because he never took the initiative to fix himself from inside so his business can go on. So let's turn this into a positive. Make yourself worthy. Make yourself worthy. And it is uh, exactly what you're saying, uh, Murdad. It's perception. It's the perception of the people on the outside looking at your inside business. And maybe you have done, not you, but as, as, as a person that I'm speaking to, maybe you've done a poor job of, is it the kind of stories you're telling about your business? Do your people really understand what your passion, what the goals of your business are, what your vision and purpose is, and what's the outside world? What do they see when they drive by or when they see your involvement in the community? It's all perception. I don't know what the percentage is, but it's got to be 80% perception. But then if someone says this person isn't worthy to work there, then make it your goal in working with a person like Chris and all your social media people to make yourselves worthy of the place that people want to come and work for. Yeah, you know, the old saying that says the fish stinks from the head down, you know, that's that's <laughs> kind of uh, any type of business owner in any, any industry, you know, your business is a reflection of you. It really is. It just makes me laugh when I, I talk with a shop owner and he doesn't want to do any work on himself or any personal development because that's really where it all starts. That's where it starts. And the other part about this is what I always tell every shop when I start working with them is we're going to paint a really dynamic picture of your shop. I'm going to write an ad that's amazing for you, but we're not going to lie. <laughs> we are not going to lie because the first thing that you get, they get on the phone with you and you try to schedule a, a phone interview or the first time they drive by and they take a look at your frontage, they're going to know. You know, the first time they set foot in there, they're going to know the truth. And that's the worst thing. And it's one of the things that, uh, you know, I interviewed a lot of technicians when I first got into this um, industry in 2017. And that's one of the things I heard over and over again, over and over again. You know, I asked specifically what question, you know, what uh, I asked the question, what is it about ads for technicians, help wanted ads that really turn you off? And they said over and over again, you know what? Every shop lies. Every shop says the same things. And you never really know what you're getting into until you go to work for them. And by then it's too late. 
I made a decision that we were never going to do that. And it works out better anyway, because every shop has a unique combination of things that make them uh, different in terms of culture. But you just never want to you never want to lie. And uh, kudos, Murdad, for going to work on yourself. And Sean, I know you've gone to work on yourself as well. We've had lots of conversations about that. That's where it all starts. Definitely. A big takeaway here. Thank you so much. I think this is this is a very powerful, if you will, uh, the December Town Hall Academy, where I think it makes all the investment that people make in listening to these shows uh, worthwhile because that whole worthy statement. Thank you. So let's do the ugly. The ugly is uh, the mishire. I mean, everybody knows about the mishire. The mishire is when you get a technician come in, they can talk a great game and uh, they talk themselves into a salary that's just ridiculous and then they show up for work and they don't know crap. This is the, you know, everybody's been in this situation. And when I ask about what the biggest fear is with shop owners, this usually ranks among the top of the biggest fears is the mishire. And I think about Brad Smart's work that he did when he wrote the book, uh, Top Grading, and he's a hiring expert, a very interesting book. He says that a mishire can cost you upwards of a million dollars. Now he works with a lot of Fortune 500 companies, but you get the point because a mishire not only comes in and um, wrecks things and makes everybody upset and destroys the morale, you know, they're like the rotten apple in the barrel, but replacing them and then being down a technician for a certain period of time, it just is very, very expensive. So mishires are, everybody's got a mishire story. And, you know, I think uh, Merdad and Sean should uh, share one of theirs because I'm sure they've got a few. <laughs> One of the things I do in my business, of course, I have a lot of bad experience, but here's one of the things I found out it works for me. When I interview a technician, when they sell me all those things, they talk about themselves. And of course, I sell my business to them. But I bring it to their attention that when I hire you, when you come and work for us, literally you're going to spend more time with us than your wife if you subtract the time you sleep. For lack of better term, if you want to marry someone and you want one date, one hour, one hour interview, what kind of question you're going to ask? How honest are you going to be on those questions? If I'm coming to that date, I want to come with the expensive car I rented, but I drive Pinto. Later on, you're going to find out I'm driving Pinto. I'm not, I'm not worthy of it. You know? I come with the expensive watch and then all those borrowed from somebody else. Let's just make sure we are not making some story that is not real. I said, the problem is, this is going to be cut quickly here. And I tell them candidly, ask me any question you want to ask me. I'd rather you be upfront right now. Then you can see sometimes the hesitation they have. The hesitation they have that they are still thinking. I had a situation like this. The guy just promised he's going to come, but he didn't even show up because he knew everything he said was not going to be a fact. He's not going to show it to us. So that's one of the ways I was able to reduce. Uh, I should make it less for those people who are not qualified for a job. I love it. I mean, it, it's it's kind of, if you will, how you dress it up. A point that I think is so powerful is to turn the interview over and listen carefully to the kinds of questions you're being asked. And in fact, if they're not asking you about the transparency of your business, where training goes, how much can I earn? I mean, you, if you put a great ad that drew them in, they've got to be qualifying you. Uh, Sean, I, I know you've got a story to tell, but... Tell me this is right or wrong. We work our butts off to hire somebody. I mean, we're losing $2,000 a day. We finally find somebody. We bring them on and we have a mishire. 
and we just can't work up. I got a body. I got someone who's actually doing something, even though he doesn't quite fit the puzzle piece or he doesn't fit the culture. How long do we keep him? Perfect uh, lead into my uh, my one experience that really stands out above all of them on the mishire. Brought an older gentleman in. It was probably the first guy I ever thought that was going to have me be able to pull myself out of the back of the shop as the lead tech. And I was really relying on him with a you know the knowledge that he had to come in and be able to just fix anything and not have to be in there at different times to save the day. And uh, I think that was the one reason I held on to him for so long. The attitude in the shop, you could tell it was diminishing. I had a really good manager at the time that kind of kept everybody upbeat as much as possible. But uh, looking back now, it was just a downward spiral. The entire time, we lost a couple of really good young technicians that you know really wanted to grow. But won't hold on to a wrong hire. You know, out as soon as you have that feeling in your gut or get better at hiring, which is what we did uh, recently, past few years, we haven't uh, really had to make too many hires. But uh, I think the interview really has to be from everybody. You need everybody on the teams to be involved, get the people to come in and work for a day or two or even a week before you make that solid uh, commitment. And we're right up front about that. Look, we're not going to hire you right off the bat. We have a few other people we want to get in here and uh, and put them on a trial, bring them in, have them work out of a, a decently organized toolbox and just acknowledge the fact that, hey, you know, it's not going to be their tools and they might have to hunt around a little bit. But you can, you know, when you're a technician or a business owner, you can see when somebody knows how to move around a car and the way that they flow around what they're doing, if it's going to be somebody you want on your team or not. Hey guys, uh, I love this. Can we take a little bit of a departure, Chris, uh, in, in this episode and talk about comebacks? You know, it, it does have something to do with pay and it's an inevitable discussion that you're probably going to have with an individual that you're hiring and if not with your team. Merdad and Sean, could you bring us any insight from your particular companies, how you handle that? Yeah, we bring those up front as, uh, as learning experiences now. If we have something that comes back that was a screw up on one of our guys' parts, we all look at it. Everybody knows what it ended up costing us in the amount of wasted time, if there's any parts that are involved in it. Unfortunately, it happens. And uh, we're all human. Mistakes are made. Turning it into a learning experience is what we do. Do you have a threshold? Do you have a threshold? You know, if we do over this number, guys, we have to really take a serious look. Every single one of them gets pulled back out of the bonus pool. Right. And everybody gets a piece of the bonus based on a percentage of the work that they bring to the table. So it's kind of like, yep, if I was the one to cause the comeback, it takes the whole pool down but it's only going to take the pool down from everybody's pie. And we're all working on making the pie bigger, right? Whatever we can do, our lead tech will usually jump in and either you know, point out some training where we could have gone wrong. If even if it's a misdiagnosis and somebody's check engine light comes back on, you know, we're going to eat the time that we're fixing a car. You're also eating the time that we're not fixing something else. So the, the layers that go into it from running and managing a business, the actual cost of quality situation, even if it's a customer service problem or somebody left upset and we want to send them a, you know, a gift card to, to dinner to just to, to have them leave with some kind of hope that they come back someday because we screwed up and didn't do what we said we were going to do. And we, we, everything gets analyzed. We all look at it together and we bring them up at meetings. Thankfully, we don't spend too much time there. And when we do, we all learn something. We do have a flat rate program. It's basically a, a 40 week salary, which is kind of low. Most of the guys will kick into flat rate at 32 hours. So 80% efficiency, you're making more than you would on your 40 hour base. I expect everybody to get bonuses every single week on the flat rate. Uh, and then what we do at the end of uh, each quarter is we take a, a piece of the pie of the gross profit and we split it out and distribute it among the techs and the service advisors and managers percentage wise. Everybody knows how the game works and it's uh, it's really fun because it makes uh, it makes work like a game. If it's not fun, it's not enrolling and I don't want to play. <laughs> 
It's got to be a game. A lot of creative programs out there, Sean. Thank you for that. Murdad, uh, tell us about your thoughts on comebacks. I'm a number guy. By nature, I'm a number guy. I always look at it and see where the comebacks are coming from and what's the production of that technician. When the technician has a, in general, I'm talking about, somebody can argue and say, not, not my, my technician. When technician production hourly, uh, hours production in a week high, his comeback is high. When a technician production hours of production is less, his comeback is less. Why I say that? I have a great technician. He does all those Germans vehicles, engine, transmission, you name it. He does rebuilding, but he cannot produce more than 32 hours. However, he literally have zero comeback. And I have a technician does 55 hours every week, but his comeback is three and one. So where is our tolerance? It's not very uh, practical to make one policy for feed everybody because the technician who produce more hours, of course, he's going to have more return because he's quick. He's trying to be fast as, as fast as possible. He's going to have return. The technician who takes his time is going to have less return. But to solve our problem, we have a quality control person. There is a person after job is done, they put the car, technician put the car on the board and says, I'm done. Quality control person take that vehicle and test driving it, checking that everything's around it, make sure there is nothing wrong with that vehicle. And we were able to reduce that um, significantly, lower than what it normally is by having that quality control person to just make sure these things doesn't happen. Those are two things I want to be saying. Always some interesting discussions when it comes to comeback. So thank you both for, for sharing that. Chris, I'm going to give you the last word here, uh, wrap the, the episode up. Thank you for bringing this topic and, uh, and Sean and her dad to the show here. Hey, thank you, Carm. You know, I just wanted to say something about uh, the issue of uh, when do you let someone go? And I think Brian Tracy had some real wisdom on this. And he said, um, I believe he calls it zero sum decision making. And zero-sum decision-making is if you would not make the same decision again, knowing what you know now, then you the only other question is how soon can you get rid of them? Because it's just going to get worse and worse. And he does this with all of the decisions. He says, if you would not, knowing what you know now, would you make that investment in marketing? Knowing what you now, would you make that investment in, you know, in a relationship with a friend? You know, knowing what you know now, if you would not do the same thing again, then it's just... How do I get out of this and how fast can I get out of this? It's the hindsight is twenty twenty rule. Yep. Cut bait and move. Yep. <laughs> Cut bait. <laughs> Very good, Sean. Thank you for crystallizing that for us. <laughs> uh, this was great, guys. Thank you so much. Chris Lawson, uh, technicianfind.com. We've done one episode released. We have another one coming out with you. Uh, Murdad Avar, Haven Auto Repair, Rancho Cucamonga, California. And Sean Gilfillan, Automotive Magic, uh, lube, tire repair, man, they do everything out in, uh, tell me the cities again in New Jersey. Kenville and Lake Hopaka. Oh Thanks again. Guys, uh, happy holidays to you. I know it's the end of the year and uh, we sure appreciate you being on. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks for having us, Carl. Thank you. It's been fun. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time. 